Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scott, and welcome to a special edition of the Hardaway Podcast. Today we're going to be addressing current events. Uh, Typically, we don't Uh, delve too much into current events or politics or those kinds of topics, but we're always trying to guide our listener into how to walk the harder way through life, which includes current events. But the things that have happened recently uh, over in the Middle East have been of such an extreme nature and are of such import, uh, such immediate import to us that we really wanted to take a moment uh, take a pause, put off our new series for a week, maybe even two, and really address some of these issues to help you as we work this out, help you to work this out through scripture, through the through the example of the persecuted church. So Maddie, can you tell me what's been going on? Yeah, well, we don't want to get into too much detail because I think that most people are aware of what's going on and um, some of the things are really honestly too kind of graphic and disturbing to get really deeply into. Um, But the nuts and bolts of it is that uh, there have been some really disturbing and violent attacks that have been going on. Um, Hamas, which is the radical Muslim organization, um, just really did some really horrible things in Israel. And there's now kind of this war going on over there at this point. Uh, between Hamas and Israel, and there's a lot of just really bad, scary stuff going on. Yeah, and so what we want to do is we don't want to focus in on the nature of the violence. We can just say it's extreme and it's the worst kind of violence. In fact, let me just take an aside for a minute. This kind of things that are happening right now, uh, that are being done to people right now, reminiscent of what happened with ISIS when they were in power, if, if you think about times in the Old Testament when God told his people to wipe out other groups altogether and to leave no one alive, you've probably thought that's extreme. But what if those groups were like this and worse and they were raising children to be the same way? Mm. So we're not saying that we're calling for people to go wipe out the Palestinians. In fact, that's my first point. But I want to make is that when we're looking at this problem, we've got to remember that there are three groups of people involved in this. There are Muslims, and I'm including radical Muslims in that. There are Jews, and I'm including all the different kinds of Jews in that, because there's some Jews that are very secular, and there are some Jews that are very religious and really don't have much use for Christians or Muslims. And then there are Christians, and there are actually more Christians, uh, Palestinian Christians, than there are Israeli Christians. 
Mm-hmm. That's a kind of a little filter to lay across the top when you're thinking about, you know, what kind of vengeance or anger you want to take out on people for the atrocities that have been done. Yeah. I think that the big thing that we want to talk about today is really what we can do here and how we should be thinking about it. Because obviously we don't have the power to change this situation. And this entire situation is something with such a complex, complicated, confusing history with a violent history. And there's a lot that as Americans, we don't really understand. Um, And so we're not going to get into all of the, you know, oh, who who really should be in this part of the world and who whose country is this really and you know anything like that or trying to get into well these people deserve this because of this or they don't deserve this right, because, because of that we can, we can, anything like that we could make an argument that the land uh we'll call it uh Palestine for right now and I'm talking about the whole area cuz it was called Palestine including Israel was called Palestine for a couple thousand years but that was a that was a reference like the Sierra Mountains or you know um, the uh, the uh, the Great Plains. It was a geographical name. It was not a national name. People get that confused. So we'll just say Palestine uh, to refer to that area of land. And we can we can make a case from the Bible that that belongs to the Jews. It's belonged to them historically, and that's it. Well, we can also make a case that the Babylonians can say, well, hey, we conquered it, and so it's ours. And and then. And the Assyrians could say, hey, they still, they're still around today. And they could say, hey, we conquered it, so it actually it's ours. Um, and uh, you could make, and the Romans could say, hey, we conquered it. And the Greeks could say, hey, we conquered it. And there's all kinds of people that could make a case for having a claim to this land. The, the, the modern day, we'll say Muslim Palestinians, those people, Islam didn't even exist until the 8th century. So they, are, they have the latest claim to the land. Um, and so, but we could make an argument from each point and we could probably make a convincing argument, but that is really not the point. That is a detail Mm -hmm. that leads you away from the point. Yeah. You know, let me give you an example that might help you look at where we're going as, as we're explaining some of these things. When I was a kid, we had this big oak tree on the side of our house and this thing was huge. And my dad noticed that one of the big roots on the tree was growing under our house and it was just starting to crack the foundation. So dad had the tree chopped down. Then, and I kept saying, dad, we got to take out that root. I was only 12 or 13 years old, but I was, it was obvious to me that the root was a problem. Yeah. And we should get rid of that root. No, no. Well, it didn't, that root was so big that we'd chop out the root and then that tree would come back and then we'd cut down what came back and then the tree would come back and we cut down what came back. Well, over the course of a few decades, that actually lifted part of the house six inches. Oh, wow. All kinds of damage. And the point was that we were fixated on the minutiae and the things that were changing, and we never dealt with the root. Mm -hmm. So if you're fixated on land claims and on who started it and on who's right and on who's wrong, what we want to do is we just want to take a few minutes and help you focus on the root and learn how to deal with the root of this, because that's where the harder way is at. If you get all caught up in the minutiae, you're going to spend all of your life's blood and energy and wealth and treasure. You're going to spend it all breaking off branches and pulling off little saplings that are coming up. And you'll never get to the point of dealing with that root 
that's causing all the damage. Absolutely. I think first and foremost, as Christians, what we have to look at is it doesn't matter who's doing it or who it's happening to. As Christians, we should be greatly grieved for any sort of taking of human life, especially in such heinous and torturous ways that it's been happening over there. Right. Um, we should be completely grieved and heartbroken to see that. Oh, yeah. You know, and not trying to get into, oh, well, these people did it, or oh, these people deserved it, or oh, da 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 But just saying it doesn't matter who it is. As Christians, we should always be grieved when we see image bearers of God being killed and tortured and just, you know, treated so unspeakably. That should be heartbreaking to us. And that should be something that we should all be praying for an end to. Right. We should all be praying that God would intervene in this situation and would stop these things from happening. So thinking about this in the term in the terms of nations or in the terms of people groups or in the terms of ethnicities, that is a fool's errand. That is not going to help you deal with this in a spiritual way. Not at all. What you need to recognize, what we all have to recognize, is there exists in this human experience only two groups of people that really matter. And what are those two groups of people? As you yawn, I catch you. <laughs> <laughs> Christians and non-Christians. Christians and non-Christians. That's it. That's that's what matters. Not what country you're from. Not anything like okay, that. Okay, so let's take let's take a minute and discuss what do Christians do. What do we do? What, what, what's something, just an obvious thing? Pray. <laughs> okay, we pray. And we pray. We, confused by that we pray to Jesus God. or God. Jesus. Right, through Jesus. Exactly. We worship and we let the Holy Spirit work in us to transform us to be more like Jesus. And we, let, we try to let Christ live His live through us. And, and so we try to be representatives of Jesus on earth, however imperfect we are. And we're always growing and changing. And mm-hmm. okay. What do non-Christians do? Well, <laughs> not, I mean, it's kind of a hard thing to, to sum up quickly, but I guess you could just say non-Christians do non-Christian things. Non-Christians do things the world's way. Right. Really. I'll never forget when we had a guy from the Sanctity of Human Life Network speak at our church. And uh, he said... I, he started off and he said, I know many of you, um, when you were younger, had abortions. And some people just got up and walked out, didn't let him finish his sentence. But the next sentence he says was, and why wouldn't you? You weren't Christians. You were doing what non-Christians do. Mm. So, and I was like, that that's such a powerful statement because when we look at what's going on in Gaza with Hamas, and those attacks over the border. When we look at the superior power and the cutting off all of the the water and the electricity and all of that from Gaza by the Israelis, and we look at the historical context of all the violence going back and forth and among other nations, not just them, they don't have the corner on that market. When we look at all of that, what we see is, what we should see is non-Christians doing non-Christian stuff. We should see evil in action. Yeah. And so our perspective as believers should not be to try to get involved and take a side. 
our Christian, or our action as believers should be to recognize all of this as evil and people doing non-Jesus-y stuff and to figure out how are we supposed to do Jesus-y stuff in the midst of this? Absolutely, because I think that there are several temptations um, that happen for us as Americans, you know, as people that are not directly involved in this and experiencing it. Um, I think one of the temptations is to build up hatred in our hearts towards the people that are doing these attacks. Right. Going beyond just saying, I hate what is going on. I hate this evil. I hate this taking of human life. Like it's despicable going beyond that and going to, I hate these people. And I think that they all just need to be destroyed. Why let's should, just get rid of all of them. What, what makes them worthy of not being hated? Cause let's be honest, their actions. I mean, to me, they, a lot of times they don't act like any different than animals and right. they, and uh, so what makes them merit or or worthy or in some way deserving of not being just treated like an animal and not just being hated? What what could possibly make that difference? Well, the only thing really is that as human beings, they bear the image of God. And just oh. like you or I, they are sinners in need of salvation. Mm. And they are as as crazy as it sounds. And this is not intended to be dismissive of the atrocities that are going on. But as crazy as it sounds, all of those people are just as capable of being saved as anyone else. Well, we think about Jim Elliott and uh, he was the, he was the missionary that was eaten by cannibals and, you know, killed down in the Amazon. Uh, I don't know if they ate him or not, but they killed him uh, down in the Amazon. And, if you read his story and you read the stories of some of the other people that were there, the man that killed his father became like an uncle to the young boys mm. when he became a believer. And so, you know, we have to understand that within the Christian worldview is the propensity or other requirement of us that we view people as image bearers of God, that we view them as being able to receive salvation if the Lord deems it so. And we have to be willing to forgive and to move yeah. forward them with them as a new creation. And so uh, the, the horrors that are being committed by people there right now in the Middle East, those people can be saved. Yeah. So I absolutely. think our first focus has to be on praying for their salvation. 100% because when we're looking at these horrible things that are going on in this war that is going on, this is a war that is being fought by, I mean, pretty much, I can't say 100%, um, but vast majority, it's non-Christians against non-Christians, right. right? And so that being said, we want the salvation of all of these people because that's really the only thing that's going to bring true and lasting peace is for all of these people who are involved in these situations to be restored into right relationships with Jesus. And so the Christian Palestinians and the Christian Israelis who, you know, they're in a really difficult situation because they're hated by both sides. Yeah. Right. They really are, you know, being treated as second class citizens in, in both places, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we should really be praying for them and praying that they would be able to live the harder way in in the midst of this crazy war zone that they're in and that they would be able to share the love of Christ with everyone involved in these situations, that they would be able to give people um, hope and encouragement, point them towards Jesus and be able to evangelize in this war zone. All right. So, so far we have two assignments. Seriously pray for the salvation of those who are all the non-believers there. Seriously, and the second assignment is to seriously pray for our brothers and sisters who are there. Yes, that the Lord right. would equip them. Yeah, for their strength, for their provision. You know, maybe that we'll see supernatural things happening in their lives, and that will cause non-believers to say, "Wait a minute, how is this going on? How's this bread <laughs> keep multiplying?" You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, those are our two first big assignments in this situation and our biblical perspective. And you know, we're motivated by fear. In this situation, yeah, we're afraid that this are these are signs of the end times. And we've I've had those questions asked of me this week. I'm transitioning the subject a little bit. We're still on the same topic, talking now about the end times implications. And people will say, "Is this the end times? Are these signs of these battles, these wars, and rumors of wars, and all that? Is this one Gog? Is this one Magog?" Person who has placed their life in the loving care of Jesus Christ does not need to fear the end times. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. That's a good point. And I think, you know, we won't get too much into this because there's a lot of just opinions on all sides. But what I will say is that if you're looking at it from the perspective of, oh, this and this happening is because of these end times things, it should be understood that there are actually four different views, uh, all within the sphere of, you know, Orthodox Christian belief, like established historic Christianity, not like wacky offshoots or anything, uh, four primary views of the end times. And only one of them, one of the four would really see any significance, you know, eschatologically in what is going on in the Middle East, and the other three would not really see any um, a- a- any real significance. significance to it in terms of, like, the end times timeline. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you don't hold to that one view, you know, you're just praying just how you normally would pray. And if you do hold to the one view where you are looking at these things and seeing some end times implications, you still should not be afraid. Right. Even if you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is a sign. The end right. is near. Um, if you're a Christian, you should not be scared of that. So either way. Right. Because in our fear, <laughs> what happens is we want to find safety and we want to find comfort. We want to find something solid to connect ourselves to so we don't get tossed to and fro by the waves and by the wind. Yeah. And so what happens is people go through the scripture and they try to plot it out. I figured it all out. I've got point by point exactly what's going to happen. I understand what every symbol means. I understand. Mm-hmm. We've got a very detailed timeline. <laughs> a very detailed timeline. And the problem is that if those things don't, happen in that order or in that way, then your faith is really shaken because now what you thought was a rock that you'd hooked yourself to is actually a giant snapping turtle and you're getting, mm. and you're going, it's going down for a deep dive in the ocean. Uh Oh, right. You're trying to unhook yourself. Yeah. That's what happens when we make our specific interpretations of scripture and our 
beliefs and opinions on non-essential doctrines because the exact your exact belief on the finer details of the end times that's not an essential doctrine no if you're talking about what you need to believe about the end times you know it's actually very simple you just have to believe that jesus is going to return uh his return is imminent meaning it could happen anytime and his return's going to be personal and visible It'll be in the same way that he ascended, right? So from the sky. And uh, at that time, there will be a judgment of the living and the dead. And there will be the establishment of the new heavens and the new earth. There'll be a big party. It'll be great. Um, But that's really it. Anything about, you know, rapture, no rapture, tribulation, antichrist. How does this work? What's the millennium? All, All that stuff. Those are things that we are not explicitly told exactly what those look like and what that means right. in scripture. And so those are things that you don't have to have a hundred percent figured out and you can't really, because it hasn't happened yet. Right. So, so, so that's our third thing then is that, is this a sign of the end times? I don't know. It could be, but you know, the Bible doesn't really give us the clear answer on this that we'd like to have. So right. what we and have to do in any generation can make could could make a very strong argument. Well, like in World War One. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. People were convinced that was it, man. It's the end. And uh yeah, they yeah. were very or like convinced. during the dark ages and they had the black plague that killed like a third of the world's population, right. basically. Right. Like all kinds of just horrible things that have gone on um throughout history. And so there have been people in every generation who've made very, very convincing arguments for we're the last generation. When the, when we in, ended the first millennium. Yeah. When, when it turned from, the clock turned from 999 to 1000. Well, people were convinced. That's it, man. Mm-hmm. And of course, people had different calendars back then. So that was going on for a few years. Oh, my ears clicking 1000. Now it's the end. 1000. Yeah, it turned out it wasn't true. So we just figure we want to do this. Rather, we want to pray for the salvation of the lost. We want to pray for the provision for those who are stuck in the middle of it. We want to pray for the wisdom of our leaders. Because yeah. I feel like our leaders are under the influence of tremendous evil right now. The stuff they're doing doesn't make sense from any kind of righteousness point of view. And I also want to say we need to anchor ourselves to Jesus. So that means we anchor ourselves to the body of Christ, meaning the church. We anchor ourselves to the to the body of Christ, meaning the greater church, other Christians in general. We need to anchor ourselves to Jesus himself. And we need to anchor ourselves to the Bible and be really anchored to the mm-hmm. Word of God. And again, that's why we, it's so important that we we continue our ministry to get the Bible to persecuted Christians uh, because they need that anchor point. If not, they're just listening to one guy say his opinion, another guy says his opinion, and they're scared. Yeah. I would say probably one kind of last point is of what we're really called to do as Christians in this situation is avoid getting into politically charged debates about this subject and getting all ang- you know angry with other people who believe differently about you know the political solutions to this problem because remember politics are you know it's man's way to solve man's problems and so it's greasy it's, yeah it's just oh yeah not great and so because of that you know you really don't want to be getting into angry political debates with people where you're losing your witness and when you're focusing your time and energy on a system set up by the world and believing that a political solution is going to somehow fix this because 
politics aren't going to fix this. And in that same vein, you know, really understanding that there are a lot of emotions in in this situation because of just the the grave just horrible things that are going on there are a lot of emotions and there's a lot of history and just being sensitive to that when you're engaging in conversations with other people um to not come across as you know too angry or calloused or you know just, oh, well, you know, it is what it is, or, oh, we just need to do this and this and this, and that'll fix it, and these people did this, and it's these people's fault, and blah, 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 blah. Because there are just, there are a lot of people who who have very deep personal connections to these this situation over East, you know, some that we may not even be aware of. And so really just being loving and sensitive in the conversations that we have with other people and recognizing that, you know, these are real people who are going through these things. Yeah, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for you to demonstrate to others, especially other Christians, yeah, a peace that passes understanding. Okay? This is an opportunity for you to act outside of your natural character. In other words, to choose the way of faith, which is to trust Jesus, to anchor yourself in him, right? To let him figure things out, to pray and, and believe that your prayers are going to be answered because they are. It's, it's your opportunity to do that rather than to run around and be afraid because people are watching. Believers are watching. Non-believers are watching. And, yes. if, and if they're not watching, we have an enemy who hates us. His name's Satan. <laughs> you may have heard of him. And he's going to be running around going, look at them Christians. Look at them Christians. Directing people to look at us. Right now, yeah. right now in this moment, Jesus is on trial. He is on trial. And we are the witnesses. And if, if the world can't look at us and say, okay, Jesus is telling the truth because look at the evidence, mm. right? Then the prosecutor, Satan's going to win because he's going to say, look at my evidence. There's yeah. this awful world out here and these horrific things. And see, these Christians are all just acting afraid and uh-huh. acting angry and acting the same as everybody else. And fear makes you do crazy things. Evil people know that. Fear knows that uh, fear makes you. Well, look what happened after 9, uh, 2001, 9 2001. Um, we gave up a lot of freedoms. And when, when the government takes your freedoms, they don't give them back. We gave up a lot of freedoms and they have not come back. And why did we do that? Because we, we were afraid. afraid. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and so people with good sense knew that a lot of, like the Patriot Act and things like that, we knew that was going to be used against us. We knew it would be abused. Why? Because people are people, and non and non Christians are non Christians, and they're gonna they're gonna always slide towards evil and always slide towards doing the wrong thing. If they don't do it at first, they'll do it eventually because the rules are only enough to hold them back for so long. So don't be afraid, because if you're afraid, you're really gonna make it easier for the enemy to have his way rather than for God to have his way. That's good. Be a person of faith. Right. Be a witness right now. Be a light in this darkness. Look, I understand. I want to go grab my guns and run out and say, oh, you want to protest this? You want to do that? I want to go. I want to go be a man of violence, a man of the world and and and, and take things into my own hands. I'm sure a lot of you listening feel the same way. Um, but that's not who we are in Christ. Not at all. We are people of faith and we have to trust him. Vengeance is his. The victory is his right it's we have to trust in the lord and we have to walk by faith and if we will do that we'll come out of the other side of this thing with a greater faith 
with and we'll be much more adept at walking the harder way. Amen. You got anything to add to that? I don't. I think you summed it up well. Did I? I think I did. Well, listen, we want you to know that we are fond of you, our audience. Uh, we care about uh, we care about your situation. That's why we do this. And uh, if you find this perspective on this to be unique or you find it to be helpful or you find it to be encouraging, we would ask you just to share it wherever you share things and uh, let people know, give them a chance to listen to it. I'm sure it'll spark some outrage and anger <laughs> among Christians, but the things we have to yeah. say usually do. But the right people will hear it, and the right people will be gratified and edified by it. And at a minimum, maybe somebody will hear the need for us to anchor ourselves to Jesus and for us to pray more and to keep in mind that it's a battle against good and evil, and that's all it ever comes down to. Hmm. All right. Well, we will catch you guys next time. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Pray hard. Stay frosty. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.